Coming up on today's show... TikTok Live is, again, the most vulnerable that you could be. It's literally like a live version of you versus something that's like cut and edited. Welcome to another new episode of Now Hear This Entertainment, featuring interviews with guests who are having success in entertainment, primarily music. I am Bruce Wozniak, talking to guests who are singers, songwriters, musicians, recording artists, and more from the worldwide music community. Get in touch with me by writing to podcast at nhte.net, or instead of email, you can DM me through the at Now Hear This Entertainment Instagram account. Are you still a disco ball shattered into a million? Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Los Angeles, my guest is a singer, songwriter, guitar player who just last month released a new music video that already has more than 6,500 views on YouTube. Last year, she released an EP in November after having put out an EP in October, both following a deluxe 18-song album that she had released in September after having put out a 14-song version of it in August. Her releases have drawn acclaim from various publications, and she has amassed more than 1.5 million streams for her top five songs on Spotify alone, where she currently has 74,000 monthly listeners. She also is putting up really big numbers on TikTok, And she is working on more new music this year, as we will hear today. You've been hearing a song of hers called Elizabeth. Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, Samantha Marie. Hi, Bruce. Hi, everyone. (laughs) Samantha, thank you. I appreciate you making time to speak with me today. Of course. I was looking forward to it. Let's get started by having you share with the audience all about the song of yours that was just playing called Elizabeth. Absolutely. I feel like Elizabeth was a great representation of who I am as a songwriter. First, I'm a poet, then I'm a songwriter. And that's just how I write. And I felt like Elizabeth is, again, one of those songs where that could really come out. Also, the instrumentation on it is one of my favorites. Elizabeth is about one of my dear friends that was very close to me a few years ago, and she has passed away. Mm. But the song was an ode to her, and I think if you take the time to listen to it after the show, um, you'll get to understand what I'm saying as far as the poetry goes within the songwriting of that song. Because I know I do have some songs that are just geared towards having a bit more of a fun atmosphere, like Strawberry Sensation, which you'll hear at the end. So I really wanted to tie in a different song that it's geared more towards the poetry in my songwriting. So, Gosh, you caught me a little off guard. This is a little on the heavy side. I wasn't prepared for you to say that it's a song about someone that has left the earth, unfortunately. Does that make it more difficult because the person is gone and she won't know that you wrote the song about her? Does it make it more difficult for you compared to any other song that you would write? No, I would say every song, whether it's happy or sad, can be just as heavy. Absolutely. There's pop songs that I hear on the radio that are, people are dancing to them, but when you really break down the lyrics, they are extremely vulnerable, extremely 
heavy if you'd like them to be. The weekend has a lot of songs like that. Mm. Um, and no, 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 no. I don't think of it like that. I think not at all. Yeah, it sounds like I'm reading between the lines that it's a tribute that you feel that you're... Right, right. And it's a really beautiful song. Like if you listen to the live version of it from my performance at Hotel Cafe, me and a few of my backup harmonists, we harmonized the entire song. It's gorgeous. I think the melodies on it are some of my favorites. Okay, so audience, you have your first homework assignment, which is to go find both versions of Elizabeth, the one that I was talking over and the one that Samantha just described for us. I mentioned in the intro that you're calling in from Los Angeles, but in fact, you're originally from here in Florida. So when and why did you decide to make the move across the country? Absolutely. So I moved to Los Angeles in 2020. I was going back and forth and I was really engaging with the creative community here and it would range from photography, collaborations with friends, writing sessions with other songwriters, getting in the studio for the first time, having a lot of experiences with the creative community here in L.A. It was really inspiring. And then I would go home back to Florida and it just wasn't changing for me there. And I knew that I really wanted to make a decision that was going to help shape my career further towards what I wanted to do, which was music. So I made the decision to move here. I drove my car across the country wow. in 2021. And so it was just, yeah, definitely an emotional move, but something I'm super happy about now. Because just for me personally, it just worked out better for me to be here. And it's not the same for everyone. So typically when a guest talks on this show about a move that they made, say, to LA, to New York, to Los Angeles, places like that, they'll kind of give the backstory, meaning, Samantha, what had you been doing music-wise? You didn't just wake up one day and say, I've never done music before, but I think I'm going to go to Los Angeles and do it. So just kind of paint a picture for us of of what you had been doing in Florida that built you up to the point where you not only realized that your real calling was in LA, but you had enough confidence to say, okay, I've done enough musically that I've got the foundation to go there. Correct. I started singing since I was nine, ten years old, in and out of theater shows, constantly having music as something that was on the backside for me. I think through high school and early college, there's a lot of things that change and I think we're in a society that might push you to not pursue music and to pursue something a little bit more safe. So I also went through those changes as well. I took a couple of years off and I was at the University of Central Florida getting my bachelor's degree. And then that was around the time that I started coming back to L.A. more and really understanding that music was something that I wanted to put my all into. So I knew when I really had to sit down and ask myself, like, okay, are we happy with doing finance right now? Like, what could you actually wholeheartedly say that you would love to do? And that was music. And I'm a writer as well. I came out with a poetry book called It's 5 a.m. My Time Again in 2020. And so I was constantly writing and I was really inspired, but that is just another additive. I think I had to get really serious about what I wanted for my life. So clearly you have to be thrilled that obviously the move to LA is paying off as evidenced by the more than 1.5 million streams for your top five songs on Spotify. Absolutely. I'm so thrilled. There's, there's nothing that's been making me happier than getting to know that some of it, some of that is getting to be paid off. Like, regardless of numbers, too, right? I think just getting 
to be able to do this is something, yeah, I have no words for it. Well, you know, I think it's also a case of would these things have happened to me if I would have stayed in Florida? And to do something like play the Hotel Cafe when you're living in Florida, yes, it's a very, very, very well-known venue. And some people could very well fly all the way across the country, quote unquote, just to play there. But it's a difference of, am I going to do that versus, okay, I'll drive over there Saturday night and I'll play. And it's also getting in front of the people that have the opportunities, getting in front of the people that you want to collaborate with at any time, as opposed to, okay, next time I'm out there, we should get together. Absolutely. I think that is a big factor because I did think about this and I was like, okay, well, you do have the internet and so much of my work is done through my computer, Zoom, my phone. But on the other hand, I do have a lot of things that I do here, like my studio sessions, my writing sessions. Um, Again, yes, the shows, being here and having everything so close by is definitely an advantage, 100%. Well, and who's kidding who? There's a beach in both locations, so you weren't giving anything up that way either. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I definitely miss the beach in Florida. There's nothing like it. Ah. I would say I miss the warm water. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Well, later on, I'm going to ask you about the music that you're working on for this year. But right now, I'm interested to hear first about the change that you feel there has been between this year and last year with your music. Absolutely. I feel last year, in terms of music, not only was I really trying to figure things out, I was really trying to figure out my sound, who I was as a live performer, who I was as an artist, who I was as a writer. And also, I felt like I had so much to prove. It was like my first real year in music. And so I would get on a stage and I would ramble. I would, again, like, I released a lot of music. I worked really hard, but I also felt that I was burnt out trying, Mm. again, for quantity of things, right? So my head was also thinking about quantity of streams, quantity of people listening, whether it was TikTok, Spotify, Instagram. It was like I was looking at numbers a lot, and I was getting really hard on myself. I think now what's changed is I don't have anything to prove. I really don't want to do that so I'll get on a stage and I'll just sing my songs and I won't explain so much I will like I'm focusing more on quality rather than quantity I really want to shape my audience to be geared towards my target audience um and really foster a relationship and have a community with people that are buying merch buying concert tickets you know I think that's a little bit more important than streams or the numbers so I think my focus has shifted um, a lot. And it's going to be really intentional this year, especially about what I really definitely going to be cut in half. But I would say that that shift in mindset has been everything for me. Well, and I love everything you just said, because let's face it, if people are going to connect with you, it's going to be because of the music that you're creating. So why stand on stage and ramble and try to convince yourself and the audience, I belong up here, I'm talented, when they really, what they really want to hear Samantha Marie say is the lyrics in the song, not the big setup. Yes, everybody loves the storytelling aspect, myself included in that. I love listening to someone talk about the song that they wrote and they're about to perform. But I get your point that it got to be a little bit too much. And ultimately, people want to hear the song. So 
it's not going to be a bad thing if you get up there and say a whole lot less because they're there to hear you perform and to sing. So I support you wholeheartedly for what that's worth. (laughs) Thank you. And you did. Uh, Audience, when you go look up Samantha Marie online, my gosh, Samantha, as I was preparing for this interview, I went on Sorry to say um, I sound old-fashioned. I still have iTunes on my on my laptop. Oh, and I went on iTunes and I looked you up. Oh, I love and it. I went, wait a minute, 2023, 2023, 2000. All these releases are from 2023. She put out an absolute bushel of music last year. I did, I did. But, you know, I needed it. I think that I had to do that in order to figure out what I liked and what I didn't like. Yeah, as you said before, to establish what your sound is going to be, establish who you are as an artist. And you had plenty of inventory to weed through to say, this is who Samantha Marie is. Absolutely. Tell me this, what is it about songwriting that makes the craft, that makes the art so important to you? Songwriting to me is, like if I'm writing in a journal or I'm writing a poem or I'm writing a song, afterwards... It is almost like a weight lifted off your shoulders. That's how cathartic it is for me to write a song. I'm literally getting something out of my system. I would like to think a lot of other songwriters might feel the same way. And some processes are different. Some songs are, maybe I wrote it in an hour. Maybe it took me months and I kept coming back to it. But for me, there's nothing more special than finishing a song and feeling that, oh my God, I just, got out everything I was trying to say about this experience in my life and this emotion I was feeling and kind of putting it out there and releasing it. That's why songwriting is so important to me. And writing before anything, because I also, I do write for other artists as well. I want to jump in and ask about Elizabeth then, because clearly that song could not have been a co-write. It's someone that you knew personally and someone that you wanted to pay tribute to. So was that a song that came very quickly or was it, no, it took me days, it took me weeks to complete it? That song came very quickly. I would say I wrote it within about an hour. Definitely not a co-write. Okay, so what I did was I started with a freestyle on that song. Actually, a producer that I really love sent me a track and was like, I really love this track. And he sent it to me and then I pressed record and I did a full freestyle of mm. the entire song. I have the original version of it. Mm. The only thing that was changed from the original freestyle was one lyric in the chorus. Mm. That's how that song was written. Wow. Wow. But I want to get back. I like what you were saying about songwriting is what you feel helps you fully get something off your chest. Some people might call their mother and talk to their mother on the phone until they feel that, okay, now I've gotten it off my chest. Some people might meet a friend. Let's go for coffee. I got to sit and get something off my chest with you. And in your case, your thing just happens to be, I have to sit by myself and write a song about this. Absolutely. I'll sit at the piano or I'll get my guitar out. And yeah, there's, oh my God. Yeah. And I do that a lot, actually. Like something will happen. I'll be like, oh my God, I got to I need to sit down and write a song. And sometimes the songs are just kept for myself. It's not always a, I'm going to write a song to release it, which is kind of freeing because it's not all so commercial in a sense. Well, but at the same time, you are off to a tremendous, tremendous start with your career. And this is going to be a case where five years from now, 10 years from now, there's going to be this release of previously unreleased tracks, which might be that voice memo that you did for Elizabeth when you get the idea. It might be the songs that you said, oh, these were just for myself. But you know what? 
the people are listening and the people enjoy what I put out. So I'm going to finally release these now and let them see the light of day after all. Absolutely. Absolutely. That would be, that would be fun. (laughs) So despite everything that we've covered up to this point, you just started to go there. You do in fact, actually write for other artists too, not just for yourself. Correct. Yes, I do. I recently was signed to publishing for my very first time. And then something that I noticed about last year that was my favorite part of it all was writing. So late last year, I began writing for other artists. And sometimes it's done in a writing session where it's a few people and we're writing for one person that's in that room. Or it can be a few of us writing a song that's going to be pitched out to maybe a larger artist to sing that song or find a life for it. And it's, it's really fun sometimes. Like recently I had a song in a session and it was for another artist that was in that room and I wrote it with them and it's not my song. It's someone else who's going to sing this. But these lyrics mean so much to me and sometimes it can even be you're writing about experience that you've actually had and someone else is going to sing that song. Mm. So it can be challenging for sure to let some of that go, but you have to put your heart into it. So explain the mechanics of that to us then, because if you do write a song for someone else and you fall in love with it, do you have, for all intents and purposes, zero rights to that song and you cannot cut it? Every writer in the room has a right to that song. But if we did speak about writing for someone else's project, you know, that is just out of respect. We wrote for their project and that's their song. I could definitely ask them and say, this song means so much to me. Would you be willing to let me have this song? And if the cards are right and they feel that they want to let it go, that could possibly happen. But it's not that I have zero rights of the song. I think it's more just the fact that we had spoken about writing for another artist. A really good question, actually. Yeah, and I want to clarify, I did not mean no rights to it. I mean, obviously, you get the writer's share, you get the writing credit for it, but just in terms of cutting it, I mean, obviously, you can also do, (laughs) you can perform it live and say, this is a song that I co-wrote. It was originally released by (laughs) so-and-so. Absolutely. Even Taylor Swift, she's done that with This Is What You Came For, a song that she wrote for Rihanna with Calvin Harris. Ah. She performed that sometimes as well. Wow, I did not know that. But Samantha, what is the difference, I guess, mentally, psychologically, emotionally, when you're sitting down to write a song for yourself versus going into a write knowing that we're writing for someone else today? Sometimes I tend to be more vulnerable with what I'm writing for someone else because I know that I'm not standing behind it. So it's almost like I'm speaking through someone else. And that's why sometimes I feel that when I write for someone else and it you get a demo back and it really speaks to me because I really, really, really got to be vulnerable. And that's another reason that I love writing for other artists. It's almost as if I can put all of these things out there that I might be scared to do on my own artist project and let someone else speak them and still have the writing be out in the world. So it's a funny thing. Yeah, it's an interesting dynamic, and it's one that, again, I love living in Florida, and I'm not saying anything bad about it, but I just wonder if you would have ever had that dynamic, if you would have ever had that opportunity, if you would have stayed in Florida and continued to occasionally go back and forth to Los Angeles. 
Right. Yeah, I just think my experiences would have just been a little bit more limited. But I can't say for sure. Yeah. Well, as evidenced by your story of moving from a small town in Florida to a major music market like Los Angeles, you and your career certainly personify being indie. Can you tell us in your own words from your own experiences about being an independent musician? Yes. Being an independent musician is... So I finally feel as if I'm building up a good team for myself with a manager and um, publishing and just people that I'm getting to work with and have on my side with distribution as well. But I will say being an independent artist, it does mean that you are not represented by a major label and you're getting to make a lot of the decisions. You are in charge of your album covers, your single covers, your music video directions the direction of your brand, what you're wearing, how you are as a live performer. Everything you do is shaping your brand, and that's all done by you. It's all influenced by you, and you have the freedom of that choice. You have the freedom of what you release, of what you don't release. I could take down my entire discography today Mm. and completely change. So it's getting that freedom, but it's also working twice as hard on the back end because You are not getting the backing of a major label to put yourself forward on radio, on advertising placements. You are doing a lot of that hard work on the back end of social media, gaining that following of a community, really building that on your own. I think labels can be absolutely amazing in your career at the right time and have a lot of an upper hand over putting someone on the forefront in terms of the public eye. But being an independent artist can be really special for some time because not only do you get the independence of what you want your brand to be, but you're also getting that work ethic of really building yourself up. So, Well, and I think there's something to be said for, and granted, it's not like major record labels are just walking around handing out contracts to anybody that'll take them. But if you are in that position to be offered one, I think there's something to be said for the decision that goes into it, because as much as you do talk, Samantha, about being an independent musician, you get to make all the decisions and you're in full control of your music, of your brand, of your image, your style, etc. There might be artists out there that say, I don't really want to do all that. I just want to play shows. That's all I want to do is play shows. And if someone else wants to make the decisions, someone else wants to tell me where to go and how to dress and things like that, like as long as I get to play shows, that's all I'm in this for. Totally, totally. And I even have friends that they love live performing and that's them too. So absolutely. So for the record, when you were living in Florida and doing music here, were you, quote-unquote, just writing and recording, or were you actually out performing? And if so, was it as a solo act or with a band? No, I was just writing and recording. Okay. I hadn't performed in L.A. yet. <laughs> My first show in L.A. was not until January 31st of 2023. And I did a lot of shows last year. So I'm a little new. But was it a case in Florida of all I wanted to do was just write or was it I tried performing out once and it just wasn't the thing for me, so I kind of kept my nose down and stuck with songwriting? I would say I was doing open mics, but I wasn't having a show where it was like, okay, this is my time slot on the stage to sing original music for 30 minutes to an hour or however long a venue wanted to give me. It was more just open mics, going up, singing a song, 
and that was my experience in Florida of I performing. See. Granted, I wasn't doing theater shows at that time. Well, but at the same time, that theater background still gave you the confidence and still gave you some sort of performance experience to feel comfortable getting up on stage behind a microphone. Absolutely. And honestly, like the nerds, they don't go away. <laughs> Every single time I perform, I'm like, I wonder if this time is going to be a little bit different. I mean, they vary. Like, it depends on the venue. It depends on which songs I'm singing, who I'm performing with. Am I performing by myself? It varies, but those nerves, they, they haven't gone away. Well, but there's also the guests who have come on this show that are just so exceptionally accomplished and have been at it for so long and have said, if you're not getting nervous, then something's wrong with you. Absolutely. And I agree. I agree. It's also excitement, too. So you have to appreciate it. <laughs> for sure. I'm joined today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Los Angeles by singer, songwriter, guitar player, Samantha Marie. Visit her official website at samanthamariemusic.com. I will put a link to it on the show page for this episode on my podcast website, nhte.net. Once you land there, look for the logos, the links across the top to engage with Samantha on social media, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. You will also see links, logos there to get her original music from Apple Music and on Spotify, as well as from Bandcamp. Next month, specifically March 12th, she will be performing at the Hotel Cafe in Hollywood. If you live or will be in that area, do make plans to go see her there that night. Keep up with Samantha online for information on other live shows, as well as news about the new music that she's working on this year that you will be hearing about shortly. Just to update you on something I mentioned last week, I was able to get the help that I needed with the email marketing challenge that I faced courtesy of someone that I called on the OWL app. So that is taken care of now. By the way, when I say email marketing, I'm referring to the weekly e-newsletter that I send out each Wednesday about the latest podcast episode. So do make sure you're on the list to get that, especially since I also include exclusives in there from time to time. Anyhow, what also happened was that I was able to benefit from the Community Connections Hub that had gotten added in one of the OWL updates. I mentioned this on a past episode when that took place. I went in there and posted, I'm looking for someone to help me with, and that's kind of what that section is all about. You describe what kind of expert you need help from. Other users then tag people they've met on the platform who they know can help you with whatever that challenge is that you're having. And as I said last week, when the word expert comes to mind, I need someone who's an expert, you should automatically think of OWL. And by the way, that's like the bird, except with two W's and two L's. Join me and lots of others on there and make great connections to help you keep moving ahead with whatever career, whatever profession you're in. Here's how. On my podcast website, nhte.net, tap or click anywhere it says home, and then read the article that I have there under the headline, Help Now a Phone um, App Call Away. It has links to download the app for free, and it has my invitation code, which is a required field as you're setting it up on your phone. Samantha, let's get back to something I mentioned in the intro, which was your 14-song album called Summers, which you released last August and then followed up with an 18-song deluxe version of one month later. Now, this was a concept album, yes? Yes. Summers was a concept album surrounded by the season of summer. And so a lot of the songs on there 
not only with the titles, but the lyrics. I really tried to weave in the theme of summer throughout the lyrics, which was something that was really fun to do. The inspiration came from just a personal experience of summer always being a time of immense change and growth for me. I noticed that usually I would make a large decision in the summer or something would change. And it got me thinking about the theme of change and how summer is always a time when we all can experience that sort of loss, you know, as the season goes from summer to fall. And so I really wanted to explore that theme in a bigger way, the theme of change, loss, growth, heartbreak, new beginnings, new friendships, and then have that be surrounded by the central theme of summer poetically. So it was really, really challenging, but also extremely rewarding when I got finish it. It's a unique vision that you had to step back and realize that it seems like change is always happening for all intents and purposes at the same time of year, winter, spring, change, and fall, and to focus on that and say, okay, this is when the change seems to be happening, so I want to zero in on that and make an entire concept album out of it. And then, as I said, you did 14-song album, which in itself is tremendous, and then you one-upped yourself and did an 18-song deluxe version. I did. So I was writing so much at the time, and I felt like some of even those last four songs on the 18-song version, so bonus tracks, I felt really close to those two, and I just, I really wanted them out there, and I decided to release the deluxe version, which again is, you know, a lot of songs, but... I think there's something to be said along the lines of courageous for making that statement that summer is a time of change, because some people could get very nervous and say, oh boy... Big things always happen in the summer and they're afraid and they're kind of worried about what is the change going to be that's going to happen to me. Or you could take the complete opposite approach, which is getting excited and embrace. Big things usually happen for me in the summer, big changes, big decisions, and look forward to what those are going to be. Absolutely. And I think a big theme in the album, too, is like the yin and yang of it all, right? So like the paradoxical coexistence of joy and heartbreak as well as the intricate relationship between hope and loss. And so, you know, the focus on the season of summer, of course, could have been done with winter, fall, spring, as you say. But yeah, 100%. Since I've teased this a few times now, do tell us about what music you're working on for this year. I have never been so excited for releases before. The music I'm releasing this year, I feel is some of my best writing. And I feel that I've really found a sound that I'm most comfortable with and that I'm happy to represent. I don't know if you guys have heard of artists such as Boy Genius or Lizzie McAlpine, but sort of just the soft indie pop sound is what it's going to sound like. But it's going to be seven songs that I'm releasing this year and going to be four songs released between now and September. And then an additional three going to be included in a seven song EP. And then I might have a couple collaborations coming out in between, but it's definitely going to be not even half of like the releases that I did last year, which is a big breath of fresh air because I'm really spending time on these songs really getting time to promote each of them as a single mm. that I'm choosing. So I'm really, really, really excited to have the time to properly promote 
each of the four songs I'm choosing as singles and giving them that time. I felt like I did not get to do that as much with my singles last year. But yeah, I, I feel that some of it's my best writing and I'm really proud of the production on these songs. So I'm just, I'm really excited. So it sounds to me like clearly the four, if not the seven, are all absolutely written. Are they all recorded or they're in various stages of production? Three of them are recorded and the last, the fourth single is in a different stage of production where I have not even recorded vocals on that one yet. I'm still deciding how I want the production on that to go. So yeah, between now and I would say May, I'll be finishing the recording on the seven songs. I personally like to have things done like way more in advance than I need them to be just so I can have the masters and use them for video promotions or just having them already sent in is good. Yeah, and that's kind of the question that I was going to go into, which was the timeline, because I mentioned that your 14-song album had come out in August. The deluxe 18-song version came out in September. Then you did an EP in October, an EP in November. Now, just because an artist puts out a release at a certain date, it doesn't mean that they just finished writing it you know, a week before. But in the case of these seven songs, they're already written. You said three of them have already been recorded. So where was the time period where you were writing these seven songs? Between October and November of last year to the end of January. And even one of them was being recorded in December of last year. Oh, wow. Wow. Well, it sounds to me like you were excited about the direction that you saw yourself going in and didn't want to let down your guard or, you know, take time off for the holidays. Just jumped right in with both feet and said, I'm going to start writing and we're going to start recording because I'm excited about 2024 already. Yeah, no, I'm really excited. I definitely took some time off in December. But yeah, I feel like the more that I do something in advance, the more prepared I am, especially with promotion so it just makes me feel better and I felt like last year it was it was a lot of work to get all of those songs done in a timely manner so this year it feels like a breath of fresh air for me but yeah it's really funny a lot of people don't think about when someone releases an album you know maybe that song was written a year or two years ago so it's a uh, interesting yeah it wasn't just recorded the week before it came out <laughs> Right, right, right. Yeah. When I was giving out your online destinations, I mentioned that on March 12th, you will be performing at the Hotel Cafe in Hollywood. Can you share with us about some of your experiences performing live now that it has been a year since you stepped on the stage out there for the first time? Absolutely. I think it also took me a year of performing in different venues and different settings to understand how I like to perform. I realized I really love an intimate performance of me and a piano and one guitar player and harmonist doing vocals with me versus a band. I think with venues, it's hard to guarantee you're going to get the sound you want with a band and with a full bass, guitar, keyboard, drums. Me playing another lead guitar is can sound really scrambled at certain venues. So not only did I find that performing intimately put more attention on the melodies and lyrics of my songs, I just felt more comfortable and confident after performing intimately that my sound sounded good. 
So that was a big thing that I learned. And then, of course, you know, I had performed alone for the first time last year, just me and a guitar. And that was a really fun experience. I got to direct the entire show. You know, I wasn't relying on anyone but me. And that was fun. So I'd love to do that more. And then, too, just finding out which venues I really like. And Hotel Cafe is actually one of my favorites. They've got a great thing going. They do. I've been there myself, and I, I'm i actually going to be in Los Angeles in late March, and I'm so upset because I would have loved to have been there on the 12th oh, to see you. I know. <laughs> More shows to come. But yeah, and I'd really love to open for a larger artist. I think that's something that's going to be in my next step. So. But I love that you just said that you're concerned about the sound because I think so many artists do get concerned about the performance and the audience and how much they're going to make from the show. And they think, well, the sound, that's up to the engineer. That's not my job. And I love that you are recognizing what a huge part of the experience that makes for yourself and the audience. Oh, absolutely. Because I've listened to videos of certain performances that I've had and it's a full band and the sound just isn't up to par. And for Mm. me, it doesn't make me feel confident. And then another point is that, you know, the song is not getting to live up to, you know, the way that it might sound. Mm on a recording or the way that you wrote it or the way that you would want someone to experience it live. So I think sound is so important for sure. And of course, yeah, someone getting to experience the show might want good sound. <laughs> <laughs> Something that I've picked up that you've mentioned a couple times as we've been talking, I introduced you as a singer, songwriter, guitar player, but you have mentioned the piano. So let's bring that to the forefront and talk a little bit more about what your songwriting process is. You've talked around it a little bit, but I'd love to hear more about that, including this discovery of the fact that you do actually play piano in addition to the guitar. Yes, yes, I do. So I've played piano for seven months now, and I'm rigorously, rigorously trying to get better every day. Uh. Classically trained because right now I can perform the piano and we can do chords and we can do chord styling, but I'm really trying to get classically trained. But it's helped me a ton with songwriting. I would say there's a few different methods for my writing, and it kind of just depends on how I'm feeling. Sometimes one of my producer friends will send me a track and say, I love this. Let me know if you feel inspired by this track or if you listen to it and come up with a melody. And sometimes I will come up with a melody and maybe I'm pressing record and I'm just singing gibberish. I'm not even making sense yet, but I'm just getting ideas out there, phrases and melodies. And then you go back and listen to the recording and can take certain points from that and then start building a foundation for a song. On top of that, I've written songs, like some of the songs I wrote last year were just written as a freestyle, which I completely would just sing over a track and once in a blue moon, the first take that happened was what the song ended up being. Every time I tried to edit it, it just didn't make sense or I didn't feel as close to it as the first take that I did. Mm. I haven't done that in so long because I've really been writing in pop structure formats of, you know, certain syllables with phrases and getting to the chorus pretty quick with my songs for this year. Yeah, so I haven't done that in a while. And then another... Way is coming up with a chord progression on the guitar. Maybe it's a four chord progression, or maybe it's going to switch into a chorus progression, and then seeing you know what comes out of that. Same thing with piano, sitting down at the piano and doing a chord progression, or just kind of 
playing around with different chords and seeing if you get an inspiration for a melody. And then a lot of times what happens is I will just start writing phrases and lines and coming up with those, having my guitar next to me and creating a melody. And two, I have like notes in my phone that have so many phrases that can be inspiration for an entire song. And I'm like, I want to use that phrase at some point. I don't mm. know where it's going to live. I don't know what song it's going to live in, but I'm going to use that at some point. <laughs> and when I feel that it's that time to use the phrase, I bring it out and I, you know, build around it. So there's just so many different ways and processes. And sometimes again, yeah, a song could take maybe an hour or maybe even like some of the songs for this year, they've been taking months. I'll come back and I'll just keep editing and revising it to be stronger and stronger, or I'll completely delete the whole thing and start over again. And that's something new because I felt like last year I wasn't doing that as much. And this year I'm just trying to be really intentional with my writing. So I've been a little bit more structured. Well, a little bit more structured, but at the same time, you absolutely are using the full palette because you didn't say, okay, Bruce, this is how I write my songs. You know, A plus B equals C, end of story. You're using everything available to you. You're using different environments. You're using different technology, different approaches, different mindsets. And I think that just avails you to even more concepts, to more ideas, to more styles, and the audience and your songs are the better for it. Yes, you're absolutely right. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, because if someone came to you and you were so, so structured and they say, hey, I got this idea for a song. Check it out. Let me sit and grab your guitar. No, 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 no. Well, I, I can't do it just off the cuff like that. We have to schedule an appointment. I have to be ready for it. I have to come prepared with my notebook and this and this. You know, then it's like, well, you just lost the spontaneity and I had the spark. But, I, you know, OK, never mind. I'll bring it to someone else. Absolutely. And then you're losing that possibility of something else. Yeah. You know, when you close yourself off like that, you're really limiting yourself. So yeah. absolutely. I'm picturing a clock ticking down. 58, 59. Okay, three o'clock. Start being yeah. creative. Go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I couldn't have been creative 20 minutes ago? No, no, no. Top of the hour. <laughs> right. Right. I know. It just doesn't work like that. So Back in the intro, I mentioned that last month you released a music video. That was for the song Scarlet Letters in the Ocean. Last June, you had put out a music video for Strawberry Sensation. Can you tell us about both of those videos? Yeah, Strawberry Sensation was a really fun music video. I got to play around with the theme of it being based in the 70s. That's the lyric in the song is that it is based in the 70s because it's a storytelling song. I'm telling a story and there's a metaphor for it. It's about a relationship that I was in where I felt as if I couldn't fully give myself to my music career because of the relationship. It was taking too much out of me. And mm. so we decided we would play on that in the music video. And so one of my friends, Sam Harding, he's an actor here in Los Angeles. He played the boyfriend role. And we really played on the strawberry sensation metaphor as well. We used strawberries a lot in the video. We used so many themes throughout the song. I don't want to give too much away, but it was, really really fun to keep everything based in the 70s every single prop we used had to be something from the set we couldn't give anything away that it was modern at all i got to use a breakaway plate when i master plate in the music <laughs> video this and then the whole thing turns around in the end and it really amplifies the lyrics of the song and it tells the story in a really entertaining way and i just it's my favorite music video for sure <laughs> 
that I've done. So it was so much fun. And Scarlet Letters in the Ocean, the video for that one? The video for that one is a little bit different, where it's a little bit on the emotional side. You know, a lot of themes in a lot of themes for that song was just about Western society, about, you know, major wealth gaps, about, you know, fame culture. And we used old videos of myself. We used videos that were in the public domain, just montage clips of our society. And we had it play on a projector that I seemingly signed in an apartment that I'm moving out of. And so the video itself is a little bit longer. I think it's almost five minutes long. And it definitely was an emotional project for sure. Same director as Strawberry Sensation, and she did an amazing job at helping me bring the vision to life with that song as well. So they are very different. And Scarlet Letters and is a little bit more of an emotional video for sure. And so audience, by all means, do go to Samantha's YouTube channel to look for both the Strawberry Sensation and the Scarlet Letters in the Ocean video. Speaking of videos, wow, more than 405,000 followers on TikTok, where your content has gotten 1.2 million likes. Samantha, clearly that must be your favorite social media platform, I would guess. Have you cracked the code? Have you solved the almighty algorithm that you're having so much success on there? Oh my gosh, I wish, because the algorithm's always changing. I think TikTok's my favorite because you get to be the most vulnerable. Nobody sees you the way that they can see you through TikTok. I mean, I guess Instagram Reels could also be the same way, but when I'm on Instagram, I don't feel that I'm getting that vulnerability out of people that I am on TikTok, for mm. sure. TikTok Live, actually, is what helps me grow a lot of that audience. Uh. I go live on TikTok and we can write a song together while I'm on live. We can Whoa. play the piano. We can do some demos. We can do covers. We can do karaoke. Sometimes it's just lifestyle and talking, engaging with the community that I have on there. And so I would say that along with posting videos, the TikTok live is what has helped so much with growing that audience wow. on TikTok for sure. Yeah. And TikTok live is, again, the most vulnerable that you could be. It's literally like a live version of you. Versus something that's like cut and edited or a photo that's cut and edited. So that's why I love TikTok. Now the lives, are you doing those spontaneously or are you promoting in advance? Hey, Thursday night at 8, I'm going to go live on TikTok. Oh my gosh. Last year I was doing them so often. This year I'm really cutting it down to three times a week. And I try to do that with my schedule sometimes. Things get messy and I'm like, I'm just going to have to go spontaneous this week. And then when I can, I announce that I'm going to go live beforehand. But lately, it's been mostly Wednesdays, Fridays, and Mondays on live. But I do try to post beforehand. Gotcha. Gotcha. We're going to close today with Samantha's song, Strawberry Sensation. So yes, the one that she put out a video for last June. Samantha, before I let you go and I play that track, share more with the audience first about this song, if you would, please. Absolutely. This was a song that I had so much fun writing. I got the inspiration when I was literally on a treadmill. And sometimes certain phrases will just come to you. And I was on the treadmill and I was like, you give me that strawberry sensation when you call me. And I literally went home and I wrote the whole thing. It, again, it was 
a really fun storytelling song where I told the story of a musician who was dating an actor and kind of told my own story about how I had felt that I couldn't commit to my music career by being in a certain relationship. It was holding me back. And I got to tell that story through the metaphor of a different story in the song and then just playing on the strawberry sensation and the melody. It was such a fun song. And I'm really glad that it's gotten to live a great life this year. So having that happen was something that was really special to me, especially because I did not co-write this song. And of course, producing it, I produced it with Eric Carpenter, who's a producer that I work with extremely often and me and him really had fun with the production on the song. We got to use ad libs that reflected like a phone call conversation. So it was just one of the most fun songs I've worked with, for sure. I want to know more about you're on the treadmill and you get this idea for this song. How developed was the idea? Because when someone's committed to their workout, they're not going to just stop the treadmill so they can grab their phone and sing a voice note. <laughs> I did. I did do that. I you did. My phone and I, got, I sent the voice note. I have the original voice memo. Ah, okay. Okay. When I'm in the gym, I have it. Wow. So, yeah. Wow. That happens to me all the time. In the middle of the night, I have voice memos at two in the morning and waking up <laughs> to get water, and I have like random phrases for a song. So it's, <laughs> that also happens. <laughs> really? I'm trying to sleep. Is that asking too much to get a good night's sleep? Really? I'm trying to be on the treadmill here. Is that asking too much for me to finish my reps here on the treadmill? <laughs> but sometimes I know with the melody, it will leave within 30 seconds and it's gone, and you won't be able to get it back. It's just you can't remember it. Well, and you just can't turn that songwriter brain off, which, you know, is a blessing and a curse, I guess. <laughs> that too. That too. Samantha, so wonderful to talk to you. Thank you for making time to be on Now Here This Entertainment, and we'll be looking for all the exciting things that you have coming up throughout the rest of 2024. Bruce, thank you so much. It was a pleasure. I'd love to come back on. Absolutely. Absolutely. With that, I will wrap up another new episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to singer, songwriter, guitar, and piano player, Samantha Marie. <laughs> Do visit her official website at samanthamariemusic.com. Again, I will put a link to it on the show page for this episode on my podcast website, nhte.net. You heard her talking about music videos. Be sure that you use the link on her website to go subscribe to Samantha's official YouTube channel and then watch and like the videos on there. We also discussed her TikTok and the huge numbers she has on there. Give her a follow on there. That way you get to see when she goes live. You'll see the link at the top of samanthamariemusic.com. Today, I followed her on Instagram, and I'm sure she would appreciate you doing the same. Remember that her original music, yes, is available on Spotify, so do give her a follow there. But support Samantha by purchasing downloads from the likes of Apple Music or Bandcamp. One more reminder that she will be performing in Hollywood on March 12th at the Hotel Cafe. So make plans to go see her if you live or will be in the area then. I do truly hope that you like this show, that you're enjoying what I'm doing every week on the Now Hear This Entertainment podcast. If you've made it all the way to the end, thank you for having stuck with Samantha and I. And I'm going to assume that that means that you do like the podcast. You can take action to let me know that you appreciate the work that I do to keep making this show happen every week, every month, what will be 10 years this coming Saturday, February 17th, never missed once, by going on my podcast website, nhte.net, and then using the yellow Buy Me a Coffee logo that you will see there. This is not a sponsor. It's not affiliated with any brand or chain. 
It's just a fun way for you to send your support, your thanks to me, including a note that I will see when you utilize that option. You can also just head directly to buymeacoffee.com slash Bruce W. That's going to do it for episode 522. Thanks ever so much for listening. I'll send you out today with another song from Samantha Marie. This is the one she just talked about. It's called Strawberry Sensation. Give me that strawberry sensation with your cup.